Hello and welcome to a special bonus episode of No Mean City, the podcast about the iconic Scottish crime drama Taggart. Ian here with a bit of an apology. As you might have seen on our social media, this month has rather run away from me and Stephen in terms of scheduling, and we're not going to be able to record our next episode looking at Series 3 until the beginning of July. Sorry about that. But, as way of a make-good, here's our interview with Mike Moran, the musical genius behind the distinctive soundtrack to Tiger. You might have heard a snippet of it on a previous episode, but here's the full-length chat, which we started by talking about how the pilot episode Killer's very distinctive and unusual music came about. The, the very first, the very first uh, episode involving that team was wasn't actually a Taggart one. It was it was a kind of, in, in a way, I think a kind of a pilot. Well, the, the thing that completely threw us with watching it was that the music is so different in that to the music that came in the series. The reason for that was the it, the um, it, it was kind of a the killer in that was a kind of a sort of fop, a bit of a dandy that that wore sort of uh, theatrical clothes and you know, and it, it kind of looked a, a bit more like a. Um, you know, a, a period piece in many ways. So, so we decided that you know, a string quartet might suit it. It was way before the, the kind of idea of um, you know, Taggart and the song mm. um, was, was was actually kind of formulated or, 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 or finessed, if you like. So, um, so there was no real brief for the music. It's just when when we spoke, when I spoke about the production team, they said, "Well, it's kind of nice. It's a little bit different, and we don't really know what kind of music to put to it." So it was it was it was it was a, a different style. It really was based upon the upon the lead character in that who was who was um, slightly sort of timeless, if you like. Um, so we we just picked a timeless uh, a timeless way of doing it, which is with a few strings. The budget wasn't the budget wasn't absolutely magnificently generous in those days. So um, so but 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 that apart, it you know it kind of made a point and and um, and it did attract a, a look. It 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 gave an impetus to. Um, the series actually being commissioned as a series, and it was only um, it was only you know when Robert Lowe got got back to me and said look we're making a series, um, it's you know and it, it you know it's going to be called Tagger, which is of course was, was the you know the, the superintendent's name, um, and um, and we and he said uh, the, the thing about it is <clears throat> if we're doing this, we'd like to um, we'd like to kind of have some kind of signature. Tune, if you like, and something that actually um, um, people see. People often get the wrong impression about Glasgow, um, in that you know, you know, it's, it's usually always in the headlines for the for the wrong reasons, <laughs> violence, night crime, and that kind of stuff. Which, of course, is a you know, is is great for detective series. He said, but it's also it's a city of culture and you know, great architecture and great art, you know, great great sort of um, you know. Um, Glaswegians that have accomplished great things, surgeons, you know, designers, painters, you know, that kind of stuff. So, so there is a different side to it. And uh, if we could find something that would work, that would say, would, would sort of give a little bit of inkling right at the outset about uh, about these two different sides of, of, of um, uh, you know, of Glasgow and the surrounding areas. So that's how that's how No Mean City came, came about. Um, and so I had to, do, I had to sort of wrestle with these lyrics which kind of told both sides if you like and um and but 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 it was always in, in the back of my mind that um you know the grim side of it if you like should be a quite an, an earthy kind of background and i just thought well it's got to be classic r&b it's got to be it's got to be a bit rocky and a bit solely and uh, I, I i toured america prior to that with uh, maggie bell who's a very famous glaswegian 
And um, and also, I actually worked with Lulu, funny enough. I was Lulu's MD at the time. So I thought, well, they're both from Mary Hill. So, you know, if I can get one of them to sing the title song, it would be great. I decided upon Maggie because she had that kind of Janis Joplin quality about her. You know, she's a, a, an amazing, amazing uh, R&B mm. singer, Maggie. And... Um, Look, I just asked her, and she said, I'd be delighted to do it. And, and that that was how we got involved with that. Funnily enough, the opening title was, it was just instrumental. It was only Mag- Magsazoni on the on the closing title. So um, that's how that all started, you know. And and and, and, and the soundtrack to the, to, to the, uh, to the um, you know, the, the drama, if you like, was always always based upon this kind of, it was always done live. We had always had a live, live band in the studio, and they became a real good team. Of people, uh, and we have that kind of rhythm and blues, you know, sort of background, really, that earthy yeah. sound, um, you know, and it and it and, and it and it really, it really, it really, well, everybody really liked it. So we were, we, we were we were sort of quids in really for for about fifteen years, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was fascinated to know what the kind of process was in terms of scoring the episodes because when you've got. Um, a show like that when it is, you know, there's, there's so much of it is about atmosphere. Were you kind of given the scripts first? Were you given the actual rushes? Was it just given them coming to say, we need a kind of a theme for this kind of variation on a theme or this kind of concept for this? Or how did it work? Sometimes the turnaround on these things was, was quite, quite quick. Although, although they were, I think they were about nine week shoots. They were quite generous shoots for a, you know, TV uh, TV uh, drama, um, but um, the turnaround, from my point of view, and of course, you know, um, that was in Glasgow, and I've, I've, you know, I've always been, you know, since I left Leeds as a young lad, I've lived down south, in just outside London. So um, there were uh, often I get um, the more, the, you know, the directors that were keen on having some involvement in what went on would travel down, some of the production team would travel down, um, and we'd, 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 we'd just, we'd look at the finished, we'd look at the fine cut, really. Uh, there's, there's not no real point in trying to guess what the music's going to be like. It's got to fit to picture. It always had to be scored quite closely to picture. So we could, I could only really work from the fine cut. So, um, uh, yeah, I used to get scripts as well, but, um, you know, um, it was the scripts really, really just gave me a general feel for the for the thing as a whole. It didn't really point as to where the music started or finished, if you like. Um, and it, it it got to be it just got to be um, um, you know um, I, I had certain things which I used all the time, and, and, and a lot of it you know was um, according to what 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 the what the what the script dictated. You know, there were, I mean, there were various different strange people involved that were murderers. So you never knew it was a crossbow murderer or a poisoner or, 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 you know, male or female or child. So it was, it was kind of, but they were, they were very well written. I mean, Glenn was an, an amazing writer and, and they were, they really were uh, fabulous things to work with. Um, the, the, that was quite simply the process. And, and initially, you know, I used to say, look, um, I will overwrite rather than underwrite. If there's anything that's super, you just cut it out, you know, um, you know, we've got time to go back and redo things. So, you know, you may as well have more. And and I had, we had kind of a, a library of ideas that you know that, that would turn up sort of in in a lot of the episodes. Uh, and um, yeah, so I I just kind of literally used to write just about wall to wall music at the end. You know, there, there were a little bit a little bit a little bit more space in these some of the earlier episodes because a lot of a lot of them were dialogue driven. The other thing was. Um, there was a huge difference um, in the later uh, things I was involved with because um, the first ones, the interior shots were all done on video. 
and the exterior was all done on film. And so there was always a bit of a, you know, if you've got this sort of roaring, you know, music going on the on the exterior and some fabulous exteriors on, on location there, and then you cut to an interior which is flat and and you know and video, you know, it just it's just a bit odd to to bring that kind of sound inside a house if you see or inside the police station. So um, you have to be very careful um, how you scored it. You know, when when the, when the, when you know when when it changed to video, um, it was it was resolved. It was I mean, it's much easier to, to, to write for really once it once it was all, all all shot on film or high definition, if you like. So um, you know, the, but it was it was a it, there was a it was a bit weird in those early. I mean, all, all TV companies used to do it because uh, you know it was a most efficient way of doing things. From your point of view, when you were putting the the, the sort of episodes together in terms of the music, because there's a really distinctive feel to the Tiger um, incidental mm. music all the way through, it. and as you said, yeah. the themes, this wonderful blues guitar feel yeah. to it, and and then there's this kind of some of them are very I mean, again going from Killer to the main series. Killer's got that, that as you said that string quartet. The, the series, it, it does feel kind of it does feel like going into sort of like a blues bar. It's that kind of sort of dive fuel to it which is a really That's kind of right. again a very different fuel to glasgow than, than perhaps people had in the 80s yeah yeah well it, yeah i mean i mean the things you needed uh, we had the we had the kind of basic rhythm section which is just uh you know keyboards bass drums and guitar and, and percussion but i also said you know we need uh we need a, a frontline instrument a wonderful saxophone player called mm-hmm. andy mcintosh um uh with ken mcintosh's son famous band leader uh andy was one of the most unbelievably talented uh, um, uh, sax players. He also played flute as well. So I had the option to kind of, um, you know, change the mood, if you like, with, the, with using using Andy, um, you know, as a buzzer saxophonist and flute player. Um, so, yeah, and, I tra- and there, was, there were also other things that were, that were quite off the wall. Some of the more bizarre ones, you know, we would go off into, um, well, you know, if you like, if you like a, a more a more cinematic, um, a more cinematic underscore. But it always used to, you know, the, the, the police bits and the and the and the and the fights and the the murders were usually that gritty, hard kind of, mm. you know, heavy metal or heavy metal or rock rock rhythm and blues kind of feel. You know, it's just a, it's just a little homage to the to, to the to the way the title music was really, and um, and the guys that. That did the, the the same guys that played on it for fifteen years, and they got so used to to uh, the, the the way I wanted things that I mean the, the sessions were a joy really, um, and um, you know sometimes they would you know chip in with ideas and how about this okay that'll do that's fine you know so but but I was I always felt that 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 um, that was the more that was the more sort of the the, the, the sort of bed on which everything was built if you like. Um, and it all stemmed from that original idea of, of doing sort of that, that sort of blues, rock and roll, soul kind of feel. And, and the music became such an iconic part. Of that I ended up picking up a, a trick award as well, didn't it? It did actually. Yeah, yeah. That that was uh, when would that be? About mid eighties, I guess it would have been, uh, or mid to late eighties. Yeah, did it? Did, yeah, the best. It did get an award. Yeah, yeah. I was very thrilled about that actually. <laughs> It was great because I mean, I mean, it was—it's a real huge part of my life, and 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 the music and the musicians who played on it as well. Everybody missed it when it went. But I actually, you know, funny enough, um, I lived uh, when where I 
I lived in in, in Radley in Hertfordshire. I had my studio built on the back. I moved a couple of times since then. But um, but actually, when I first lived in Radlett, Mark McManus actually lived in the same uh, uh, in, in the same village area. Oh wow! Yeah, which I I, I didn't know until after he moved uh, back to Glasgow. Are you surprised at the kind of longevity it's had? Also, I mean, here we are talking about it on a podcast. 40 years after a killer, but um, yeah. it's, it's become such a, one of the things that Steve and I have kind of talked about a lot when we're doing the show is it's become this kind of incredible, not just a TV show that, that you know, it was, it was of its time, but has this enduring appeal, it had a huge global audience, which is, is always amazing to find this, you know, people, people talk about things like Midsummer Murders being this big international hit, but Taggart was huge around the world at uh, this time Taggart, as well. Ma- absolutely massive. And I, I, you know, I was, I was, I was amazed when, uh, you know, excuse me. I would go off on, you know, not 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 particularly, you know, in, involved with Taggart, you know, in like I go to Germany or something, mm. and they'd find out that um, that I'd written the music for Taggart, and they'd go, oh yes, we have we have we have uh, Taggart, you know, we have a, a German Taggart, and he's got a Hamburg accent because that's a bit, a bit gravelly and growly, like a, <laughs> I think, you know, and the and the French the French Taggart had a kind of Marseille accent. So I mean, it was intriguing, and the Australians loved it too. I mean, you know, I've worked in Australia mm. quite a bit. Uh, but it it was it was well loved. It was worldwide. I mean, it still makes a lot of money. You know, um, the people just. I mean, the old the old things are still on. I mean, I, I flick through you know Freeview sometimes, and there's always taggers on somewhere. You know, um, and it, it's uh, it's quite amazing. The Scandinavians liked it as well. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's wonderful to see this. It, it, it just like new generations keep finding it as well. Do you find people keep coming to you? Because you have this incredible career doing Eurovision, working with Freddie Mercury, sort of film uh, yeah. stuff you've done with like, Time Bandits and so on. Is, is Tiger something that still comes up though when you say to people what you did? Like, oh God, yes, of course, I remember that. People, presumably, people of a certain age will go, oh my God, yes. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, I'm very proud of it actually. Um, and it, the way it developed, in fact, <clears throat> I think it's uh, I, I'm not not I'm claiming credit for it, but but it was one of the things that that um, that you know that that made STV a network franchise. Mm. Uh, you know, I mean, when I first started working up at S, uh, well, up, 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 you know, on 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 Killer, um, there were you know there was Harlot, there was Grampian, there was all those different little regional um, uh, not Harlot, Grampian, and you know the the, the the sort of local TV stations, and, and STV. Really, only emerged as a big player. Um, I think when when it when you know when when Taggart was franchised all over the world, it's uh, it, was, uh, it was remarkable. Really, was there a particular episode that you found? Uh, uh, I, I don't want to say like a favourite or a least favourite. Was it one that was a real challenge? Because when you're trying to create that sound, you said you've not got a huge amount of time to do it to create the sound for an episode. Was there one that you kind of sat there and went, "This is this is turning into a slog. We're kind of really struggling with this," or one that kind of immediately just went. Ping, you got it. This is exactly what we want. Oh, there was always a bit of a. There was always a bit of a. There was always a bit of a. You know, a bit of a. You know, thought bubbles went up, and so you know, who's the murderer this time? I remember one, which was actually a great one, and the director I went on to work with on feature films afterwards, a guy called Graham Thiexton, and it was the one where uh, with the poison snakes. I don't know if you remember that one. Oh God, yes, <laughs> the nightmares from that one. <laughs> yeah, but but uh, but that was that was a real challenge, um, and it had to be kind of slightly different, you know. There was a weird one called Ginger. I think it was called Gingerbread Man or Ginger Gingerbread. Uh, I can't remember the actual title, but but that was another one. That was kind of a a, a gothic horror type thing, you know. This this uh, weird place in the middle of the woods with these kind of uh, you know. 
you know, just kind of weird things going on. It's kind of gothic horror. And that was a different kind of music. Um, I did one um, that was based in a public school where, where people were getting murdered. And um, and that, that, that was kind of almost a classical theme to it, you know. And the, the fact that, you know, it was mostly done on location. There was very little in the police station or outside. So I did a kind of a different score for that. And that was a bit of a challenge. But um, but that was quite well received as well. It was, you know, it just moved on. As it moved on, we got a little bit more kind of adventurous in, in you know, getting away from, let's say, that just, just, just the R&B feel or, or the jazz feel or whatever. Um but the snakes one, I I do remember very well when it went. You know, when I first looked at it, I was like, what the hell am I going to do with this? You know, but um, we found a way. It, it's the episode when we've talked to people about doing this that that and the the one with the crossbow, the one that come up all the time. Oh, um, I think folk of a certain generation, the the snakes one, I think, just put the absolute fear up them. So, and a lot of that <laughs> again, atmosphere wise. So the music obviously absolutely plays into that. Yeah, yeah. And it's a very well directed that one because Graham Theakston's a, a terrific director. In fact, Graham, I worked with. Uh, we did the the pilot for New Tricks, which which that so that theme song I wrote the, for the first yes. New Tricks. But we did uh, that was Graham, uh, the same guy that did the snakes thing. Oh wow! I did a couple, yeah, I did really. Yeah, and we did very well. Graham, he became a very well respected director, and and, and he quit directing to become a writer. But, um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So that just, it's weird. It's it's um. And Graham, Graham, Graham had quite strong ideas about what he wanted it to sound like. See, he was very involved in the, you know, he was very interested. And he used to come around the house, what are you doing for it, you know, and, and, and you know, and because he didn't live too far from me, that helped as well. But, um, you know, he, he would be around, oh, you know, what do you got for this scene? I'd go, oh, yeah, that kind of works. Could you try something, you know. He was very involved in the music, very very keen on music. So um, we worked together, well, quite a lot after after that, so. That was another avenue that Tagger got me into, so, so, you know, for sure. As I said, you had this, this this amazing career. One thing I wanted to ask you about very briefly as well um, was working with Kenny Everett. What was that oh, like? I can't imagine that must have been a, a, a hell of an experience. Uh, yeah, mate, it was it was a, a joy. I mean, Everett was Everett was a good mate, and uh, and I did all the, you know a lot a lot of the Everett shows and. Um, I even did an album with Everett. Actually, in fact, he signed a. He signed a. It's a Kenny Everett story. He signed a deal with uh, I think I've been Virgin or Sony, so a quite big label. And uh, he said, "Darling, I want you to come and produce this record for me." He said, and he said, uh, "I've only taken it because I need to put a new roof on the house." And I said, "All <laughs> oh, right." I said, "So, what, what, have you any idea what you're going to do?" He said. No, he said, I'm, I'm not going to do anything. I don't know what to do. You know, they saw me as an artist. And he said, I've got to, what would I do? I'm not an artist. I can't sing. I can't, you know, whatever. And and, and so we, we messed about and he, he kind of fobbed them. We never actually did anything. <laughs> it's an absolutely true story. We never did a thing. He got his, he got his the roof of his house done, and you know I don't know how, how he got away out of it. He got it. He talked it out of it anyway. But, uh, but we, we were great. Mate. We, we, we were great friends uh, apart from work anyway. And uh, um, you know I, I used to go, I used to do little bits on his radio show as well, as well as the TV shows, but. Uh, Oh, I did. Oh, I did make one record with the without. It was uh, the 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 Sid Snot Rap. Of course, yeah, it's not rap. He got Snot Rap. Yeah, he got in the top ten. <laughs> yeah. I keep forgetting that actually charted. That's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's a great thing to put on your on your CD, isn't it? Well, yeah, Snot <laughs> Rap, number seven. I think it got doesn't it? <laughs> but, there we are. but no, but Everett was great. I mean, he was a true genius, Everett. You know, I mean, yeah. the, the things he used to do on radio, you know, making his own tapes up and Captain Kremlin and all that kind of stuff, were just. Completely brilliant, 
and he was a genuinely funny guy and a, and a lovely man as well. So, um, so there we are. It's sorely missed, actually. Uh, so, what is it you're working at the moment? I was looking at IMDb. It says you're actually working on a project just now. Is that right? Yeah. Well, uh, actually, COVID. <laughs> sorry, COVID um, buggered it up a little bit. Uh, mm. I, um, about well, just before COVID hit, um, I'd just been commissioned to get involved in a thing called Get to the West. And uh, it's a it's a co-production between the Mon- and it's funded by the Mongolian government and the Hungarian government. So it's it's basically uh, a story of a, a Mongol army invading um, uh, part of Hungary, which they thought would give them the, you know, the gate to the West. In other words, to, to be able to conquer the West. And it's yeah. sort of a you know it's the, it's a descendant of the great Khan Genghis Khan, uh, and it's it's that, kind of that story. And it's a true story, and uh, but it's, it's it's well funded, and annoyingly enough, um, you know, it, normally when you're sort of waiting for a film to get fully funded, it's you know it goes on forever, and it, it, you know quite often it falls at the last hurdle. This was fully funded virtually from day one, but we couldn't touch any of the money because COVID hit and everything was put into oh, escrow waiting no. for us to start. <laughs> so it's actually just gone into production um, a couple of weeks ago. Started production, so. It's going to be a great film, actually. You've got a fantastic cast in it. So, so oh, um, no, I'll, I'll, I'll keep an eye on that. Sounds, that sounds fascinating. Uh, it, it is very it, different it, subject. It, 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 it is. It is a great project, and, uh, and of course, there are great battle scenes. And I said to the one of the producers, I was looking at, I said, "Wow, these battle scenes with you know." And in the script, it says, "You know, three thousand um, uh, Mongol horsemen, you know, rape and pillage, or you know, you know, everything before them." And 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 you know uh, the the file of people go uh, soldiers marching past and the horseman goes on for like nearly two days or something. I said, "Blimey, there's a lot of CGI in that, mate." He said, "No, we've got the Mongolian army." Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, so it's not CGI at all. It's real people. Well, that'll be a sight to see. Blimey! Well, yeah, it, don't, it don't get that in films very often these days. No, you don't. You know, you don't get it unless you've got some. Yeah, it's a script like that, really. I mean, you couldn't do it in real life. It's like Ben Hur. <laughs> you can't afford that many horses or extras or whatever. So yeah, so with the Mongolian army, because they're still on horseback. So, so there we are. So, our thanks to Mike for his time and generosity. As I said earlier, Stephen and I will be back in a couple of weeks talking about Season 3 with Peter Livingston's departure, Mike Jardine's arrival and the first Taggart holiday special. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the series as well. Get in touch with us on Twitter at NoMeanCityPod or via email at NoMeanCityPod at gmail.com and let us know what you think of those episodes from Series 3. In the meantime, take care and enjoy the sunshine. Bye then.